You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 122, covering Quality of Life and Chain of Command, Part 1. Hi, friends. Hey, folks, people. I went and got us a guest from the next room. He went to all the effort. I did. A whole lot of effort. And today's guest is Checkers the dog. Yep. Well, she may be making an appearance shortly. Cause, uh, <laughs> now she's outside. She's out in the outdoors where we put dogs out the airlock. <laughs> it's weird when I watch a lot of Star Trek and I start thinking I live on the Enterprise and Al, outside you, is you, space. And... Al, you don't live on the Enterprise. Sure, I live I on the so. Enterprise. Okay, I live on DS9. <laughs> I win. Damn it. And Amanda lives I, on Voyager. I, uh, oh. Oh, well, everything turns out all right on Voyager all the time. It seems like a pretty okay place to live. Well, they do have that big reset button. And I a mean, working holodeck. That's a pretty do sweet you really, gig. Uh, do you really want to live on DS9? It's the yes. grubbiest place. Yeah, but there's a baseball. That's true. That is and like self-stealing stealing stem bolts. And self-stealing stem bolts, yes. <laughs> and self-stealing... <laughs> There, that is nigh impossible to see. Yeah, it is. I bet that was a fun episode to make. We have about a year and some change. Episodes to, to make. To get uh, self-sealing stem... That's tough, self-sealing stem bolts. We have some time to, to uh, yes. practice that before we get to DS9. Instead, why don't Thank we talk Christ. about the next generation? Mm, all right. Look, I still suck at segues, okay? Brian was here to help a little bit last week. But, he's, uh, he is very good at them. Don't encourage Brian. <laughs> don't raise the machine. <laughs> You guys want to hear about quality of life? Eye of the beholder? Uh, sure. Quality Tell me about of the, Data loves a box. Quality of the eye. The Enterprise has arrived at some space station or other to oversee the development of a new mining procedure. Sounds exciting, right? Strap fucking in. <laughs> so the new procedure involves spraying the planet below with a laser hose. This is expected to be a dangerous and also highly over budget. So local planet scientist doctor lady has invented a new device for helping out called an exocomp. Exocomps are adorable little robot Swiss army knives that go into caves and fix shit with replicated tools. And it's actually kind of a cool idea until Data sees one bailing on a rock slide and starts to think they might be sentient. Picard, bored out of his mind from staring at the fucking laser hose for two fucking days, is eager to seek out new life even if it's just the wrench in the basement, so he agrees. Unfortunately, the exocomp doesn't respond to the fake explosions Data and Science Doctor Lady test it with, so Science Doctor Lady smugly gets back to work, and Data stays in engineering, running test after test, hoping for a different outcome, like a man trying to make the sun rise by throwing clods of dirt in the air. Fortunately, Bever arrives to distract him, and the exocomp completes the test without him, showing Data that the little bastard is actually learning. Meanwhile, down on the planet, the laser hose malfunctions, trapping Picard, Geordi, and a dead guy. Science Doctor Lady wants to send down some exocomps, but Data won't allow it. He and Riker have a, get into a pretty awesome argument, and Data receives permission to ask the exocomps for help. They agree because they are a benevolent race of adorable wind-up toys, and the Enterprise beams them down to the planet. The day is saved when they create the most useful thing in TNG history, a triangle made out of lasers, and Geordi and Picard are beamed away to safety. The dead guy, alas, is left for dead. <laughs> okay, Matt, you, you know... Putting aside our usual pretend animosity, you, you know I love you and I respect you and I think you're funny, but uh, I'm sorry, this episode was so boring that I was checking my watch when you were summarizing it. Mm -hmm. That's no, that, not you, man. No, no, that's understandable. I'm just like, oh my god, is this over yet? Oh, there's a joke. Is this over yet? <laughs> Wait, also, he's going to say Exocomp again. What was that name? <laughs> I forgot. Exocomp. I didn't notice it until Amanda pointed it out, and then I couldn't not notice it. Yeah, that's how that works. Apparently so. Exocomp! Exocomp. It's like they were selling Exocomps. It was like a commercial for Exocomps that I, they needed to get the name out there. I just, God damn it, man. We are going to have an Exocomp in the hand of every man, woman, and child <laughs> in this country by the end of the year. Are you tired of tools that just don't work anymore? And then you cut, to, like a, then you cut to a guy in an engineering this costume wrench. dropping a wrench. Ah. Try new Exocomps. There's a better way. As as you point out, it's actually a cool idea. It's a, it's a modular robot that can synthesize different parts. For yeah, it's got like a little cool replicator idea. on its nose. And it's it's that great thing that Star Trek sometimes does, and I wish they'd do more, where they take 
Star Trek technology that we already know what it is mm -hmm. and just use it with a different application. Yeah. Instead of making up some whole new thing that we've never heard of before or again. Well, yeah, Broda was... didn't do this one, so that's why. Or what the robots the... would have been monsters. Yes, of course. In the transporter. They, yes, they and... were monsters in a way. They kind of looked like a skinned Furby. Yeah, I, that reference is lost on me. You See, guys kept saying Furby, and then you started talking about Captain Planet and Ecto Cooler, and I just sort of zoned out. I, and I, then we got bored and just started talking about uh, gargoyles for about 15 yep. minutes. Well, you know, not I, not the stone statues, but the uh, but the Disney show. Although yes. the stone statues would have been more interesting. Than Definitely this more interesting than this episode. Why don't one of you tell me a good thing? <sighs> All right. I don't know. Let's say Matt. Or Mo. Moe. <laughs> All right, so Dana and Riker's argument about whether or not the exocomps are alive, Exo right? Exocomps. Exocomps at the end is really friggin' cool. Like, I like seeing Data defending another possible robot life form, and I love Riker's exasperation over the whole thing. His, well, how about if we ask them for permission? Would that make you happy? <laughs> Actually, well, it's also my quote, so I was we gonna can say, do that, that now if you want. So, yeah. yeah. Data, those are two of your friends out there. They have saved your life more times than I can remember. I can't believe you'd be willing to sacrifice them like this. Commander, please do not think this is an arbitrary decision. I have considered the ramifications of my actions carefully, and I do not believe it is justified to sacrifice one life form for another. You don't know that the exocomps are life forms. It is true I am acting on my personal beliefs, but I do not see how I can do otherwise. You're risking a lot on the basis of a belief. I have observed that humans often base their judgments on what is referred to as instinct or intuition. Because I am a machine, I lack that particular ability. However, it may be possible that I have insight into other machines that humans lack. Very very good, me of the future, for playing that quote where it belongs. That was a nice job you of the future did. Well done, you. Uh, no, no, I, I agree. That one was fun. Um, the episode was actually directed by Frakes. Which was which was kind of cool. So he didn't get a lot of uh, a lot of scenes in it. No, but so when we did, cool. when he did, we got a lot of zooms in on him. <laughs> he, I think they just discovered the Steadicam. Either he just learned how to use it, or they just got one. Mm -hmm. Which is those sort of fluid shots, either the long pans or the or the pushes in. Yeah, and he seemed to use a lot of those. Like I said, either the next gen production team just bought one, or Frakes figured out how they, or maybe they let him have it. It's your third time directing. Now you get to play with the big toys. Here, here's the key. Here's the key to the actual camera. Right. Even though sometimes we did too many of those dun 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 yeah. ghosts like zoom in shots, we also had like a really cool shot where Picard was down on the mining thing, uh, mining, 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 and mining. Mining is Garbos. third after uh, yeah. Gar yes, mining so is third after greasy rebels and uh, uh, no, no, we vaccines. got ambassadors, we got viruses, we got mullety rebels, and then mining. Yeah. I think there's like one more. I think there's five really boring things they do, and that's four of them. The Enterprise mm -hmm. is a freight train instead no, of being a no, bus. No, it's a fire that's truck. Unique. It's a fire truck. <laughs> no, see, that's that's at least uniquely terrible. Not, you know, stereotypically like the same terrible. But yeah, there there were some interesting directing things. And no, like he's uh, Picard's down on the mining thing. <laughs> with an exocomp. <laughs> exocomp. I feel like you guys need to find a way to imply the TM after exocomp. <laughs> that's what that's what yeah, that's what the uh, saying it so dynamically means. Oh, I see. I I'm really uncomfortable with dy dynamic on this show. Exocomp. Exocomp. Uh huh. For the makers of exocomp, it's exocomp. <laughs> Not the exocomp DL or something. Nope. Nope. Just the exocomp. No, and it's interesting to me that we've seen we've seen Android after Android. We see all kinds, especially in the original series, we see humans that end up being robots. We have not seen a lot of robots that are just robots. Nope. And Data's, you know, basically a robot. Well, that's what I'm saying. A robot and he just looks like, looks like, like a, a guy. Yeah. yeah. No, what I'm saying is like a white robots guy, but, uh... that look like machines. Yeah. And then there's Data's mom, who's also a robot, not who just looks spoilers. like a guy. Excuse oh, me. from the twenty-year-old show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's twenty-five it's cool. years now. Yes, <laughs> it's cool to me as a fan of of you know robots, Team Robot, right? 
Particularly True. on Star Trek, since Team Monster is a losing team on Star Trek. you got to admit that. Yeah, even yeah. i got to admit that. And for those of you who don't listen to our other show, this is the... Uh, this the, is the eternal struggle, yeah. ...between Matt and I. It's, we, we boiled this down some time ago. He's Team Monster, I'm Team Robot, and that sums up everything you need to know about both of us. Yep. But you also chose to marry someone who is Team Monster, so I don't know what your problem is. That means is. I got an in. You keep talking about putting your brain in a robot shark. Yeah. Yeah, but she'd also put her brain in a werewolf if given the option. Mm. I feel like we're straying away from the, uh, what are they called? Exocomps! Thank you. My point was... Comes with everything you see here. Robots on the show, and it was nice to see some robots. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all. That was my only point. It was less nice to see some woman bitching about them for 40 minutes. Oh, God, in the worst alien makeup. Yep. Well, this is what I've been talking about all along. Every time I call out, this was a cool alien design. Just wait till we get to season six. Just wait. Here we go. It's, this is a long stretch if we give up. It's she just still better than uh, than smear face grandma. <laughs> yes. Not by much, though. No, not by much at all. Yeah, the hair was like, that's when they try to say, look, here's she's an alien, obviously, because she's got weird hair. She, her hair had like this weird sort of hole in it that I kept expecting a cuckoo clock to come, uh, bird to come out of. <laughs> an entire cuckoo clock. Yes, an entire cuckoo yep. clock. Not the, not the bird, but the whole clock. Yes, why not? She just had like an English bulldog forehead. Yep. And then eyebrows stuck on top of her yeah, eyebrows. Yeah, eyebrows we figured out were part of her actual forehead and made her permanently have a certain expression, which wasn't particularly notable, but it was the same expression. Yes. Which one of you said she looked like a dog? No, that was Troy. <laughs> In one of the scenes, Troy very much looked like a dog with her weird poodle hair. And... Cocking her head to the side. Yeah. It, it just, uh, not good. Not good at all. Um, but as, as far as that chick goes, that's my bad thing, which is her acting. Just awful. Oh, God, she was terrible. She was like a soap opera, like, just her overdramatic, like, she just overplayed every scene. There's a scene between her and Jordy mm-hmm. where they're both sitting there talking in Tem Forward, and... Okay, whenever a woman is talking to Jordy, he should be sort of meek and having a hard time keeping up. She should seem like the most charismatic, especially when she's written that way. Mm-hmm. But Jordy seemed like if you walked in, you'd say, wow, he's really charming. What's wrong with her? And weirdly, he didn't fall in love with her. I kept expecting. Well, there's that great cock block scene at the beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think he realized pretty early on that if anyone was getting laid this week, it was going to be Data. Yeah, and it wasn't data. And Jordy ends up being, here, carry the luggage. Yeah, he's yeah. a bellboy. Yeah. And uh, wow, now I want to see him with the visor and that little cap. <laughs> oh, boy. See, I was avoiding that. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because of the whole him being in Roots thing. Yeah, I forgot about Roots. Yeah. Um, So many jokes fighting for... Uh, All right, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Jordy gets this look. This, this like, oh... So you want to talk to Data. I guess I'll carry your, uh, what is it called? Exocomp. Thank you. Uh, and, and you just go and talk to, oh, I see. Data gets the girl this week. Well, fine. And they go off and talk about positronic networks. There was more technobabble in this than I think I've seen in a long time. Needed so much fast forwarding. That's pretty impressive considering the amount of technobabble we've been seeing lately, too. Yeah, they've definitely been amping that up. But here in particular... And it's one of those we come in the middle of a conversation and they're talking about how something works and we don't know. We don't care. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're robots. I get it. It's a little robot that flies around and fixes shit. I'm not you know, an idiot. You don't need to explain it to me. It's like what Amanda said. We know what a replicator is. It's cool to use something we already understand. That means you don't have to explain it as much. Yeah. And yet they do. And yet they do. And this I mean, is where the batteries go in, Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> if it stops working, just whack it a little. It'll uh, go back into alignment. Or maybe put them in the freezer. I, I thought it was the oven. I've heard both for on this conversation. <laughs> so so if you have two AA batteries, put one of them in the freezer, one of them in the oven. And see which explodes first. <laughs> and then go down to 7-Eleven and buy some more batteries of fucking cheapskate. And by the time you come back, the explosion will have happened. Yes. Hooray! The inside of your oven and your fridge will be covered in uh, delicious lithium. And then you can call the Enterprise to put the fire out. <laughs> Captain Picard will just be happy to come put out a battery fire than to sit at another fucking mining <laughs> Oh, God, are we still talking about mining? I don't care about this. Bah! Well, he's, what is he, Orson Welles now? Yes! All right, Matt, tell me a bad thing. All right. God, where to start? 
Yes. Well, you gotta uh, look at your notes is probably why you're stalled. It bugs me that the uh, prop department decided to make the exocomps vaguely human. They have little hands, little feet. They're vaguely adorable. We're clearly supposed to start sympathize, sympathizing with them right away. And it just feels really obvious. I see, It's probably I the little feet. I think you guys were anthropomorphizing. I think they were. Yeah, because they got little feet job. and a little face. Yeah, and a little mouth little going. Hands. Ooh! They didn't... What did you call them? Their upper hands? Yeah, they're up... <laughs> But they, they're. It looks like they're made to do the job, which means they have some appendages and things. They didn't have a face. They had a hole in the front of the thing. Yeah, with a little mouth going. Ooh! <laughs> no, you're anthropomorphizing. You're, it's that's like saying a car looks like a person. It does. It's got eyes on the front. It's and a little and a lights. face going. There Ooh! are two lights. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead, aren't I? Yeah, I wish we could. Yeah. Um, I just, I didn't find them particularly humanish. I, I just saw them well, in little boxes that did work. I did, like, I figured that, I thought that was the first step in being all like, no, they're sentient. Look, they look like people. Hmm. My whole thing is... If it had been like a little, like a ball that little arms or something came out of, it would have been completely different. Then it would have been even more like the Horda. <laughs> Which I really, to me, okay, they're very different episodes. This mm -hmm. Devil in the Dark and whatever. The For example, is. Devil in the Dark is a good episode. Well, yes. Have and you ever danced with the Devil in the Dark in the Pale Moonlight? In the Dark Moonlight. We can't watch the Pale Moonlight yet. That's the other show that we'd rather be watching. Man, it's a fake. Um, so I believe it was a cake. Thank you for that. Da 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 da. Now I don't even know what the fuck that is. This is the complete references that baffle me show. <laughs> That'll happen when, when Amanda and I do something together. Yeah. You're not coming back, Amanda. You know that. Oh, I'm always coming back. Uh-huh. Problem yep. is, unlike other guests, she can just kick the door in. <laughs> yeah. Completely lost my train of thought. This is my episode. <laughs> All right. I'm leaving the room. You guys take over. All right. Seriously, I have no idea what I was going to say. Okay. So, why don't you tell me your good thing, Amanda? My um good thing and my bad thing actually kind of go together. All right. Um, I know you you didn't particularly care for the sort of the concept because it was too shit. Much... That's what I was gonna say. Yes, Shut see, up. There you go. This is a different episode <laughs> from uh, Devil in the Dark, <laughs> and it's a different episode from season one or season two, whatever it was with the uh, sentient dirt. Right. But it's essentially let's go to a mining colony. Something down here is alive and nobody cares. All right. Go <laughs> people cared about the horda no and... but the miners just said fuck it kill it we got to get back to work uh, that's true and then it of course said no kill i <laughs> and then they moonlight. didn't <laughs> thanks horda yep so um i i thought that the idea was sort of was sort of original series -y kind of mm -hmm. classic sci-fi and i like that um and the plot beats were actually not too bad but they're you know little predictable and i liked seeing data pretend to be picard because mm. this is that has a really yeah, had some indignant yeah. speeches absolutely. and there were some real callbacks to when uh picard um defended data's sentience yes absolutely in there's fact, there's some nice uh that. yeah there's some yeah. nice measure of man ties in this one yep although that reminds us how much better an episode in early season two was than mm -hmm. this one when they should have known better but there was a lot of that like i want to be like you're you're the idea Yes. You're the ideal I human. I want to be like you. I have you. no reason to think that. <laughs> well, I have observed that all humans on this ship... All humans. You could have just left it at that. They just don't want to disappoint him. Nope. And, you know, Data wants to be an actor, a Shakespeare actor, because Picard yep. tries to do that. He's not very good at it, but he tries to do it. No, mm -hmm. he just reads Shakespeare. Yeah. He's not an actor. They make that very clear. <laughs> and he wants to give indignant speeches, because that's what Picard does. Yes. yes. Um, so, I, I mean, I liked that, and I liked sort of the classic sci-fi feel of this, mm -hmm. but the execution, which is my bad thing, was mm -hmm. The execution. Yes. Executions. <laughs> fucking awful. The writing in this, like, normally Star Trek doesn't have bad writing, like really bad writing. Yeah, hi, but... you weren't here a couple of weeks ago for the table. <laughs> it's a chair. Right. <laughs> With an arm. <laughs> But there's, it felt like this was like a first draft script that had a lot of things that were shoved in there and like, yeah, like this, only better. No, it definitely seemed like some good ideas that weren't quite there. Mm. I actually, the concept of Data sort of following Picard's footsteps to, you know, help out a sentient race of robots, that's fucking gold. I agree. However, I think you really start to cheapen the idea of things becoming sentient. Like, 
it was cool when it happened with Moriarty because it was like, what? A computer thing became sentient and we got data. But now it starts like everything, really. Everything's going to become sentient. You know what I mean? Like every yeah, time it happens, it's a little less impressive. There's a scene where they talk about, well, maybe using your tricorders is like a crime against sentience then. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe it is. Because <laughs> everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but but oh, there's oh, so man, much if the ship comes to life, I'm going to be really mad. Well. <laughs> Just wait till we get on that train. Prepare ah. to be disappointed. Yep. Get off choo, at Disappointment choo. Station. <laughs> but, but no, there's cliches in the dialogue just left and right. There was dogs and cats fighting and good cop and bad cop had gone home for the day. <laughs> and it was so slow. Yeah, it, was. it felt either like this should be a B-plot or there... this. I don't normally want there to be a B-plot. I like it when there's just sort of one plot. But this was spread so thin. We well, should have had, like, Picard having an archaeology adventure or something. But it's like I said last week. Sometimes you can do the B-plot and even the danger B-plot and have it interrelated. We had that in Fistful of Data's where mm -hmm. the B-plot was Data's brain is the ship and it directly affected the A-plot. Like, you can write a good A-B-plot thing if you do it right. But this was just, it was just, they chose to have one story, mm -hmm. and they don't normally do that, but they, they said, okay, we're just going to have one story this week, and there was just not anything there. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you there. Um, that actually sort of plays into my good thing, because all that stuff going on, there was almost no levity at all. Nope. Everything was super serious. Data, it felt like Spiner just decided Data's going to be indignant and defensive the whole time. Yeah, it was like he was experimenting with being a jerk this week. But the whole time. And he wasn't nice to Geordi. Yeah. Funny. You he mean LaForge! LaForge here! <laughs> we discovered this week that the reason he keeps yelling LaForge here is because he's trying to tell them not to call him Geordi. Well, you know, how about my else doesn't get called I Jordy. don't say Jordy here, did I? Notice how about that? my last name? Like, you know, everyone else calls each other? Yeah. Um, Yelling at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> he did it down, downstairs on the planet, too. <laughs> but yeah, it felt like Data was just had a scowl before this stuff even started happening and he got defensive about it. There was almost no levity at all to balance this out, except at the very beginning in the in the teaser. There's this fantastic little poker scene between uh, Riker, Worf, Geordi, and uh, Crusher. And uh, Beverly in particular, I think in the last couple of episodes, in this one and the next one, yeah. they start, I don't know, like, yeah, she's got a mom scene that Amanda rolled her eyes about. Mm. I actually thought it fit here. But overall, it feels more like they're trying, like, it, it must have been not just the Troy thing like I was talking about last week, but it feels like they're trying to make both of them a little more palatable not terrible like yeah. off-duty crusher seems more interesting to me now yeah at the poker game there's this adorable thing where they're talking about beards geordie's got his beard and um and she's like well why don't we make this interesting you guys shave off your beards or and then Riker says or you dye your hair like it's just it's a cute little thing yeah and because i struggle for a scrap of continuity anywhere i can find <laughs> it there's continuity between geordie growing his beard last week and having a beard this week I think when it's beards, it's called foreshadowing. Foreshadowing, I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> Five o'clock foreshadowing. Yes. <laughs> no, um, there was a time where all of the indignant species, or species, all of the indignant speeches about, like, whether or not these things are alive would have come from Beverly, and they would have been really irritating. Well, no, she gave at the, the, at the requisite uh, conference room scene. Mm -hmm. She did say, yes, Data might be right, and if that's the case, blah, 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 and that's, yeah, that's sort but, of her position. But, but in this really case, she's... really more supporting Data. Like, yeah. She's yeah. Just, she, and she's re she is actually good at supporting Data in this yeah, one. I agree. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, like, in older seasons, she would have just, oh, the, the, the thing! Right. No, she's gotten better, and like yeah. I say, it was, she had that Troy thing. I've been saying this for years, that Troy off-duty was always interesting. She mm -hmm. was always like, you really get that chemistry, you really get that sort of cute I'm a fun person to be around thing. Yeah. And you got that with Beverly this week. It was it was great. There was a little of that, and she was uh, talking to Worf about some bat le lessons they were taking. Yeah, exactly. And that was some cute stuff, too. It though, wasn't just the poker game. Though I think uh, the actor who plays Beverly Gates, Gates McFadden, is not as good as Marina Sirtis. I agree. However... He's not a strong actor. However... I think uh, the presence of uh, what's-her-name from Down on the Planet shows Ugh. that it could be much, much worse. Forehead McPermanent eyebrows. Uh. <laughs> so, I don't know. Who hasn't, like, a good... Uh, I don't uh. think we've done six yet. Which, who's who's left? I got... 
We all did them. No, I, I got think we both of mine. You're right. acting lady. Yeah, okay. I'm just trying to like stretch out the discussion here. What else? Is what is there? there to discuss exactly? Let's what see all, here. What else? Well, there uh, was only about ten minutes of plot in this whole episode. Yeah, we mm -hmm. talked about gargoyles for a while. Yeah. Yep. The show oh. where uh, all the Star Trek guys went to after this. That was fun. Um. It was a pretty sweet laser triangle. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you do like laser triangles, apparently. There, there's a uh, Kelso the. Oh, oh fucking Kelso! Kelso. <laughs> I'm not O'Brien. I'm just boring and white. So I realized after last episode, like he he showed up last episode too. Like I Do guess Kelso? he's just yeah. Like uh. we've noticed there's been a couple of reoccurring. We well, yeah, on the bridge or, uh, in the background. Yeah. There's like the older black guy who feels like he should be a commander by now, and for uh -huh. some reason he's like an ensign. Yep. And then there's uh, what did you call her, Lieutenant Joan Jett? Yep. <laughs> and uh, there's Kelso, the guy who they got to replace uh, O'Brien, yeah. who is atrocious at his job matt let's be clear nobody can replace him yeah he just took the job i i almost picture like picard saying all right well we need someone to we need someone to take over for chief o'brien now that he's gone but of course no one can replace him so you'll be working here under his shadow <laughs> and uh good luck failing goodbye <laughs> i kind of get the feeling that kelso needs those signal boosters even for just the regular transporting yeah, yep. it doesn't even sound like he's trying. Well, you can't lock on to their signal. Did you push the button? Mm. Oh. It's time for my uh, coffee break. Yeah. Uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that lady chief who was here a couple of weeks ago, she, she's here to take over. She's no better than you. <laughs> <laughs> what they should have done, rather than giving Scotty a shuttle that he didn't even deserve, was <laughs> let him stick around and work the transporter. He knew what the fuck he was doing. That would have been awesome. Yes. And then they could finally say, beam me up, Scotty, and put that to rest. Mm -hmm. The problem there is that doing schedule would have fucked them up, and we would just <laughs> would have just gotten bad episode after bad episode. We can't film any transporter scenes unless Dewan shows up. And there was that great uh, scene where Data beamed in off screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They must have spent all their money on those, um, those uh, what are they called? Exocomps! Exo Thank you. And, um... They didn't have any left over, so you just saw a flash of light off screen, the transporter, transporter sound, sound effect, and Data walks in. I love that. Transporter sound that came out of, like, the transporter playset. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody pushed the button, but they held it down too long, so it started playing a second time. <laughs> and then Jordy walks in, or uh, Data walks in. Yes, I was here too. Yes, <laughs> I have been here the entire time. No, wait, I am scowling. I have been here the entire time. I'm a mad android. I'm an angry. <laughs> <laughs> all right can we, oh can well we it's always forward? nice to hear from an angry or is there any uh, no god no one final thing you only get one it is there's only one okay there's nothing else left okay we've squeezed this sponge entirely empty oh wait no that's a that's a meat eater reference how did we pick the tofu off of this whatever tofu comes in box box of tofu <laughs> the, the um when they're testing the exocomps Exocomp. Exocomp. Um, to see if it, it knows that there's danger. Picard's like crouched in front of this hole watching it. And he looks like a kid at Christmas. He's like, boy, oh boy, oh, oh boy. Life, faced, life, 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 life. Faced with the idea of, as as Matt said, doing anything. Yeah. Uh -huh. But no, seriously, this is, this is what Picard's out there for. As they say in the fucking opening to seek out new life. They so rarely do that. Yeah. Once again, we're in an established uh, Federation outpost. Um, but yeah, mining. seeking out new life actually happens, and he does. Uh, Patrick Stewart plays it like really well. Yeah, I I, I I I love that. Just yeah. again, very Picard. And he doesn't just immediately smack Data down. He's like, hmm, well, okay, why don't you go check this out then? I'll and then, go with you. And then when it turns out that it doesn't seem like they're sentient after all, he says, you know what? I would have done this too. This was time well spent. I'm glad we did this. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, that was very cool. He's being a good dad. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Yep. All right, so. That's enough of that. Guys, one more for the road. Exocomp! Thank you. Now, Amanda, why don't you tell us about Chain of Command? I have the I have the command. Chain of the Beholder. <laughs> the man, the command incident? Too. Yes. Man, don't chain your eyes. <laughs> Always put salt in your eyes. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> chain of Command, part one. Troy's new boss gets her some pants. The end. Uh, <clears throat> hmm. Matt, do you think, uh... You uh, no. I mean, we gave you an hour. 
while we were recording the other show. You Really, that's all you brought, huh? Yeah. You, you said I could make this as long or as short as I was comfortable with. Okay. Well, I just assumed you'd be comfortable with hearing your own voice <laughs> With more. doing the job. Yeah, I sure am. <laughs> Fine. You twisted my arm a little bit longer. <laughs> um. So... I suppose there is some non-Troy pants-related things that happened in this episode. Um, for example, uh, Picard gets some new spy pants. And Riker gets some daddy issue pants. Uh, no, wait, no, he already had those. So Riker continues to wear his daddy issue pants. Oh, and the episode has, like, the best cre- uh, pre-credits teaser ever. It's only, like, 10, 20 seconds long. And Admiral, I'm the boss of everything, that Chev shows up and relieves Picard of his command pants <laughs> uh, so i'm sensing a theme here <laughs> it turns out that the cardassians are up to their usual monkey shines and are <laughs> amassing troops and threatening to turn an entire system into a breeding ground for mullety revels well starfleet isn't having any more of the flaming trash can pointless girder nonsense and so they're moving in to put a stop to it they assign Edward walks so aggressively that he looks tilty Jellico to command the Enterprise because he's had a warful experience with the Cardassians. In the meantime, Picard, Bever, and Worf are sent out on a secret squirrel mission to destroy a metagenic weapon. Thus, history's worst commando team ever <laughs> is assembled. Let's have roll call. Old guy, mom girl, and desperately trying to keep them alive, man. Da 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 da. <laughs> I think you'll find it's can't hit a Ferengi right in front of him, man. No, I will even interrupt your summary to point that out. That, Fuck you, Worf. It's actually Not... can't hit a Ferengi that's right in front of him, lad. Oh, sorry, yeah. Not very good at his job. <laughs> and he, he fails at this, too, because he, he only, he only keeps... Well, then tell us how he fails. Um, so... While Picard is off training for having a badass espionage adventure, William Billiam Tedro Riker is back at home finding it impossible to change even the slightest thing about how the Enterprise is run. Because everything Picard does is perfect and nothing may change. It's like, you know, when someone's kid dies and they won't change the room even a little bit and so it just gets dusty and sad. That That's how Will feels about uh, Picard leaving. I, I'm sorry, who's Will? William Billiam. Okay. Nails. <laughs> so, Jellico asks him to change the shift rotation uh, because it's been more effective for him in the past uh, during sort of wartime situations. And uh, it's too hard. And so he then asks him to get the crews ready for the possible upcoming war with, uh, you know, drills and battle battle stations and stuff. But <laughs> we don't have time to do potentially life-saving drills. And then he makes Troy put on a uniform like a grown-up, but blue, blue, blue. Why can't she just be an object of shame forever? Um, and then Jellico uh, goes on to use some fairly unfriendly diplomatic tactics in negotiating with the Cardassians, and no one knows what to make of it, because they've all apparently never seen anyone besides Picard work. Anything that's not Picard's way is, like, just baffling to these people. Um, and so Troy actually is pretty good in this episode, besides the whole pants issue. Um, <laughs> she has some pretty useful insights into Jellico's character, which is weird. I don't think I've ever seen Empathy uh, see anything that someone with eyes couldn't just, like, look at. It doesn't take an empath to see that. <laughs> so, sorry, Jordy. <laughs> um, so then we flash back to Fox Force doomed to fail, <laughs> and we're in some kind of Hoovian cave system. Beverly nearly gets stuck in a hole, and it turns out the whole mission has been a ruse. The Cardassians weren't um, breeding a super weapon. They just want to capture Picard and then strip him naked and tie him to a chair, which I'm being told is morally wrong. Well, morally questionable. Well, certainly not morally justifiable. But listen, guys, it's it's kind of a gray area. <laughs> okay, point of order. They didn't strip off his clothes yet. We've seen part two, and we know what happens. I yeah, was that's... anticipating it. No. Yeah, that, that's yet to come, yeah, and Kim so claimed, am I. Kim claimed the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, me too, my friend. <laughs> Kim already claimed the Picard's butt episode, as she calls it. Well, you can't help me. No, you don't get Picard's butt. She Aww. gets Picard's butt. Sorry, you get Troy's Just... pants. Well, that's pretty good. You chose. Fruit. That's like that's like the mere opposite of Picard's butt. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, Matt, uh, this is more a question for you. 
All right. You know that big green guy from uh, from the original series? Oh, hello, Captain Kirk. That guy? Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like his name should be Jellico? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm Jellico. <laughs> they call me Jellico, don't you know? First time I heard the name, is like, that sounds like a jolly old name, and uh, boy, that doesn't fit his personality nope. at all. Man, that guy's mad. Maybe he's jolly in his off time. <laughs> that actually that actually puts me right to my bad thing, which is, boy, he sure is mad to the point where he might as well be holding up a big sign that says, I'm mean. I, there's a couple of scenes where, like, when he's with Troy, which ends with, uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this, her putting on pants. Woo! Yep. I think the exocomps give her a pair of pants. Exocomps! And uh, it's actually nice and, and more subtle, where he's still being kind of a dick, let's do it my way, but he's not being, you know, Mr. Like, he literally walks and pushes people over and yells, cuts them off. It's just, it's so sort of like... Yes, Al, that is rude, isn't it? Yes, isn't it just... <laughs> it's, it just, it, it's a little too over the top for me. I get that they're trying in a very small space to show us that this guy's very different than Picard. And they gave him the unfortunate catchphrase of get it done, which at the time was a great counterpoint to make it so, but now it's been ruined by so much cable guy. Uh, but that's not Star Trek's fault. No, that's not Star Trek's fault. I would like to believe that Star Trek has evolved beyond the need for cable guys. <laughs> well, it was part of Gene's vision. Unfortunately, Gene's dead now, and uh, Larry, all Larry the Cable Guy bets are off. <sighs> really, what this reminded me of more than anything was, and this will this might win you over to my side, it felt like a Commodore showed up and took the ship over from Kirk. Yeah. See? That doesn't, isn't that awful? Yeah. All right, then. I put it to you. <laughs> my my whole thing with Jellico hinges entirely on whether or not his style of command works, and we won't know that until next week. The thing is, his strategies might work, but you got to not be terrible with people. Picard learned that lesson a long time ago. Mm -hmm. This guy's been a captain for a long time. It's weird, because Picard seems sort of soft and approachable now. I, it is which an interesting is way weird. to show how far he's come by yeah. a guy who's like he was in season one. Yeah, I like there. There's a scene where uh, where uh, Jordy is a asks Bill to go uh, mm -hmm. see Picard and like help us with the new guy. He's so mean. Yeah. <laughs> and jo uh, Riker gets in there and he sees Picard passed out on the couch. Just I, I, no. I, I don't want to anymore. Yeah. So many drills in a cave. <laughs> my my actual bad thing is the fact that Amanda thinks that uh, that Jellico and Neche ever not terrible. <laughs> Especially Nechev. God. She has the air of one of those women that Matt hates, first of all. One mm. of those sort of... Uh, but she's not old. No, but... Well, that's the thing. She's an admiral and she's like 30. But apart from that, she's got that sort of Kai Win. Yeah. Get under your skin sort of... No, not... I like that about her. She's. I, I like that not. she's confident and no, she's I like bitch. her stance. Like she's sort of, she's got sort of that loose but ready to fight stance and she's got some, some gravitas. Like I feel like she... That would be great would... if she wasn't 10 years old. <laughs> she's not 10 years old. I, the, I don't get the, the, I don't get the you thinking she's young thing. I, she looks way like, too young She looks that, like right? 50 to me. She looks seriously about 45, which is way too young. She to does look older than Jellico. I mean, yeah. does this look long, younger, I should say. has a small child. Yeah, yeah, I don't get that. No, she looks way younger than Picard, I think, is the problem. <laughs> she shouldn't outrank a guy that looks like he could be her dad, is what I'm saying. I don't think that she looks quite that young. No. I do think that Jellico's age, the fact that he's as old as he is and he's only a captain, it kind of got me that feeling like, you know, he was promoted during the last Cardassian War that we never talk about, uh, maybe during sort of wartime. And now that we're not doing any battles and stuff, which is what he, I think, is good at, he's not getting promoted any further. Well, there's a there's a lot of really good stories after, I know after Vietnam, but also after like World War II, about guys going off to war and being great at war and not being able to assimilate back into, into life. Like, that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a thing that happens. So that that could be. So he's just reached as far as he's ever going to go unless there's another war. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, Matt, good thing. Uh, the last minute or so with Picard in chains at the mercy of the Cardassians is so fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I forget the guy's name. Golmaset. Yeah, but the guy who plays him. David, David Warner. Warner. Thank you. Um, he is so Excellent. friggin' cool. 
and just he delivers this little he delivers this speech and seriously all the crap picard's been in over the past six seasons and all i could think was this is the most trouble he's ever been in that i don't necessarily agree with but it's certainly like i mean you know the borg thing they weren't going to torture him they did torture they just made him into a robot that killed all his friends Mm -hmm. but they also um they don't normally pair up Patrick Stewart with people that are sort of on the same level with him. Oh, that's the thing. My good thing until Matt, until Matt stole mine by watching the episode, <laughs> writing notes. Well, you was... really got to start writing your notes before I do then. Yeah, I know. Um, and it's bad when I'm not doing it before you. Yeah. No, my, my speci- I have another good thing, but my specific good thing was going to be David Warner. It was mm. going to be that guy has been in everything and everything he's been in. Like, my favorite movie as a kid was Time Bandits. I love that movie. He was the main villain in that. He was the voice of Rachel Ghoul in Detective. the Batman series. Detective. He's been... What was that? That was us both saying detective. Yeah, but Matt's... Detective. Like detective. Yes. Um, that sounded drunk. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he is. All right. Are you drunk? <laughs> no. Let's go sing Just a Friend together. <laughs> Uh, but he's um, he's been in two Star Trek things already. He was in five, which we try to forget about. But he was also uh, Chancellor Gorkin in six. Which oh great. yeah, he's just he's every, and he's that guy where you see him and he's like and, and you're that you're oh yeah it's that guy. He's got this voice, this incredible. And seriously, I'm not kidding. This is an exaggeration. The, when we were watching this and I heard his voice the first time, I got that little tingle. You got that little oh I love that guy. Yeah. This is gonna be great. And then it was over. I will say, this is, I go on and on and on about uh, part one and part two in this show, how the part two never lives up to the promise of part one. This is the only exception. Part two to this kicks part one's ass. Yeah. And part one in this is still pretty good. Like, this is still a pretty solid episode. There's things about it that you might not like, but it's a good idea to try and and show what happens to the Enterprise and Picard's not around. No, I'll bitch about Jellicoe and Nature, but really, it's good to have, you know, Mm -hmm. like, forceful characters. The problem was I thought the, the commando stuff was just boring. I thought it wasn't. Espionage stuff probably would have been more interesting. Yeah. But I guess they didn't really have the time. Actually, my bad thing. Okay, well. Like, I really wish all the cool, deadly crap that Picard, Worf, and Bever were doing didn't break down to 15 minutes of running around in a cave. Very fake-looking caves. There's yeah. one cool part where they're repelling where it looks cool and everything else. Like, when I heard it, it's like, oh, Picard, Worf, and Beverly are going on an espionage mission? That's fucking awesome. I'm down for that. No, nope. put on your black turtle. Tomb raiding. Yep. Your tactical like, what, you couldn't break... You couldn't... Yeah, what, you couldn't break into, like, a like a Cardassian base or something? <laughs> you couldn't... You couldn't, like, Anything? cut open a... A window with a, with your circle cutter thing, and then uh, yes, yeah, crack a safe. <laughs> we couldn't have Picard dangling over something, right? Well, we oh. did. I guess he we did dangling. actually. There's a bit of dangling. All right, fine. So it wasn't con- so it wasn't completely awful. No, <laughs> Kim gets the dangling episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I found that stuff not great. I found it kind of just boring. Yeah, did, you know, like that's a thing I really enjoy, and then it just doesn't show up, and I'm sad. No, and as Amanda pointed out, that is not the best commando team. Like, each one of them, they did justify why they're there. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, don't they have special ops? Don't they? I mean, we haven't established Section 31 yet, but don't they have something like Navy SEALs at least? Like, Yeah, of course they take, do. Let's take three officers off a starship, which is a whole different thing than this. Mm-hmm. An exploration starship. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like... I get that this is how we have to get Picard from point A to point B, and they get him there um, with his techno babble about whatever, knowing that he says about oh, something knows, about he, the. He knows about this weapon because he was on the Stargazer. Yeah, with that he, weapon, which makes sense. He knows about the Framaset dongle hoppers no, and no, no, everything, whatever. The, no, but he knows about particularly yeah. the waves they use. Well, to, okay, yeah, to, that got a little technical. They use yeah. they some special waves no they they activate it with the uh, with the remote control yeah and he knows about the waves from the remote. Like yeah, so it should a, so they should activate that. it with an exocomp <laughs> but it would have been so much more interesting if they'd separated him from everybody he knew and he had to keep up you know with these young like yeah, guys good. who are specifically trained for this so it could have been more personal about him realizing you know i'm a little bit older this is also never really my thing but we've got Worf and Bever along for well, reasons. Dramatically, on the other hand, it's nice one minute for him to be surrounded by his friends, and the next minute, you know, 
being stripped naked and tortured. Like it's it's kind of a nice. Well, concept. then you just had the Cardassians kill off the other guys because well, they yeah. don't matter because they're not uh, cast members. But right. maybe we could have gotten to know them a little bit, so it might have been a bit of a. No, oh, I hate you know. that. I hate that device. Let's introduce these guys and immediately kill them. That's not. I don't like that. But what I'm saying is, Picard had two of his best friends and best officers with him, and then nothing. Like I think, I think that helped make it feel more like oh, best officers. Well. <laughs> I would have to say he's probably got his two worst officers with him. Uh, uh, Troy's friends, not there. Except for Troy. Officers. Well, Troy's come a long way since he's been gone. Baby. For, well, I heard she put on pants. I think I heard that somewhere. <laughs> Between you guys saying exocomp. Exocomp. They should put those in some pants. <laughs> they don't look human. I don't know why you would say that. Little feeties. <laughs> Anyway, I, I, while I bitch about Jellico and about his acting style and whatever, I, that was an interesting dynamic, and I thought that was way more interesting than uh, than watching those guys run around in caves for a while. No, mm-hmm. oh, coming up sort of to like my quote that actually leads kind of into right, that. Let's do that. I, I had a couple of sort of possible ones. I, you know, obviously the pants one, sure. but uh, and there's also a really good one where. Um, uh, Jellico asked Nails what he likes to be called, and that was so post-Tomicor, I just wanted to put that in. Yep. But really, when we're talking about Jellico, you know, maybe being a little over the top, he basically says to Picard, you're gonna die. Yeah. Jean-Luc, let's be candid for a moment. The Cardassians aren't going to listen to reason, and the Federation isn't going to give in to their demands. And the chances are you won't be coming back from this mission of yours. I want this ship ready for action, and I don't have time to give Will Riker or anyone else a chance. And the best part about that is, well, not the best part, but the fun part about that is after the scene happens, he very deliberately hands Picard his uh, Shakespeare book and then puts up the stupid little elephant drawing from his (laughs) three-year-old. Like, no, we don't read literature on this ship. Oh, look, a dinosaur. (laughs) Also, when he, like, as he changes the ready room to have his stuff in it, he takes out, like... Yeah, well, I mean, it's his ship now, supposedly. Yeah, Yeah, so he he takes down some Picard stuff, but he leaves up the picture of the Enterprise, the terrible picture of the Enterprise (laughs) on the wall, picture of itself on itself. Maybe maybe it doesn't come off. Maybe Picard's been trying to take that down and put up like a a poster of Ricky Schroeder for years. See, my thinking there is he's the one who most needs a poster of where he is because he just transferred and he'll probably forget. (laughs) (laughs) No, he knows more about the ship than any of you people. Oh, right. I'm not on the Cairo anymore. I'm on the Enterprise. There's a big picture of it. (laughs) I know more about this ship than any of you. Now get to work. I don't care if you need to sleep. You shut up. Also, even though he's all into formalities, we both noticed this, that uh, he d- immediately starts calling, instead of calling Jordy LaForge, <laughs> like he's calling everyone by their last name, and he just calls him Jordy. Yep. That happens with everyone. Jordy gets no respect because he's just Jordy. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So, what else? Um... Good things, but, bad things. Oh, my, my actual good thing. My, yeah, my what's your good, good thing? Was, uh, was, uh, thank you. It was David Warner, but Matt kind of took that. Yeah, I did. Again, that's fine. Um, the uh, Again, Beverly, actually. Some mm-hmm. nice levity. There's some great little uh, scenes in, in the terrible cave scenes where she and Worf are giving each other a hard time. Yep. There's bats, and she's like, oh, Worf gets... scared of bats? No. Worf is attacked by a bat. Yes. And does, <laughs> not, deci- and does not decide to avenge his parents' death. Well, I must take the form of a Klingon, because <laughs> I'm a good Klingon. Tell me I'm a good Klingon. Um, Picard, but then tell me a... I'm a good Klingon. <laughs> I'll change my name to Worf, son of Picard. Shh, of course look. you are, Mr. Worf. You're the best Klingon I've ever met. Which, which oddly enough, ties into Worf's jammies. <laughs> They're visiting this dumb space station, which one of you can talk about if you want. I don't care. Not every bar in space is the cantina. Sometimes no, but they play it every time you enter a bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. But, but, but 
they they wear their like commando black stuff yeah, when they it leave. Yeah, looks cool with uh, whatever Picard wears over his and whatever Beverly wears over his. And yeah. then Jordy's or <laughs> Jordy's Worf's just looks like jammies. Yeah, he's wearing his little gym jams. But also, <laughs> why do they change into their turtleneck stuff for going to the bar? It's not like they're going straight to the caves. We don't really know what the timeline is there. I, I'm not sure. What's your deal, choice. guys? Yeah. What are you doing? But yeah, there's a there's a great bit where uh, where she gives him a hard time about maybe being scared of bats, and then later she's like, "Is there another way we can go down rather than repelling?" And Worf is almost hostile about it. <laughs> like you could tell he's giving her crap. Uh -huh. He's almost like, "Oh, why are you scared?" And Wait, think, oh, you're afraid of heights? I think like I've heard that all these. I mean, we all know those guys got along great behind the scenes, but particularly Dorn. Mm -hmm. was like the, the, the joker of all of them. And I think that might be a nod to starting to make him, you know what I mean, like starting to show that he can joke around with these guys. Yeah. Which is nice. But overall, anything that shows that these guys are becoming friends, it's been a really long time. We've had, like we said, we've had uh, Riker and Troy, and that's it until recently. Mm -hmm. and, and Data and Jordy. But we're starting to get more of a sense that everybody else knows each other and hangs out and stuff, and that's cool. Yeah, and the the whole everyone missing Picard thing yeah. is is also good. Like that they they think of him as sort of a soft, approachable guy now. And right, no, that is <laughs> they work damn hard. That's why they don't. Want, that's why they're all pissed off at Jellico. They don't want to start over again. Start all over. I just I feel like he came in with no regard for anyone's like personal space or anything. He didn't listen to anyone's input. He's just like, this is how we're going to do it. And, like, I think these guys have worked there long enough to know something about their own ship. Yeah. It just, I understand wartime, blah, 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 whatever, but this ship has been ferrying ambassadors around for six years. Maybe it needs a little transition time. <laughs> I felt like a lot of, and I felt like this is a deliberate choice, a lot of the way Jellico was played by, like, a captain who learned to captain by reading a businessman's guidebook. Oh, yeah. That seems super... Once, the Seven Habits of Successful yeah, Federation yeah. Officers. Yeah. Once you pointed that out, it's just like, oh, of course. Yep. Then, like, he, he starts each conversation with, like, a precise amount of small talk about the person and then dramatically shifts gears into what he really wants. Like, it's mm -hmm. like, this will get them off guard. Yep. This is from Sung Su and the art of getting what I want over the conference table. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing that surprised me more than anything. Mm. This is only the second Cardassian episode. The first one was back in was it season three, where uh, no, it was, yeah. it was more recent than that. Mm, I, I think it was like season four. No, I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that. Well, so then we we'll have to look three. it up. We we shall look. Don't you do it. Your keyboard is very 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 loud. <laughs> Thunderous keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> but even, regardless of when it was. It was. It, this is only the second episode with Cardassians in it, and it's obvious. Well, DS Nine is starting up like right now. Yeah, it's obvious. We better tell people who these guys are quick. And they do a good job too, because the Cardassians don't. You don't get a ton of change from their first appearance to uh, no. To I mean, they, they cleaned they're up the makeup much, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and they, that was it. And like the they're, they're looking are, really good in yeah. this one too. And yeah. the uniforms and are good. The one guy looked like a Dracula, as you guys. Yeah, he totally about. did. Blech. All right, Matt, you were correct. Mid-season four. Mm -hmm. I concede. And he had well, he that, had the hair uh, grease. Yeah. And he had that Cardassian yeah! smile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did. Um, But yeah, only the second Cardassian episode, and they completely just nailed, uh, like we said, Golmaset, just in his five minutes, before, not even five minutes, like 30 seconds, mm -hmm. before his huge episode next week. Just uh, completely everything we expect a Cardassian to be, all in, you know, all in one quick scene. Like a minute. Yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah. And the look of him and the way he carries himself. And Matt, you said you just expected him to get up and be uh, Galdukat. I did. I absolutely did. Because it seems, you know, seems obvious. Well, Mr. Bond. Yeah. I mean, he's even in, in, in like a spinny chair. Yep. It's like, no, we don't see him. He's like, oh, this will be Galdukat. Oh, right. He's not around yet. Right. There's no such thing as Galdukat. <laughs> That's an urban myth. <laughs> Like that kid who put his eye out on the missile. What was that kid's name? What is that kid's name? <laughs> so what else? Feels like there's a lot to talk about, but I. Uh, well, the Card I really liked the uh, Card the Cardassians in the boardroom scene. I 
I thought Jellicoe's approach was a little too, again, a little ham-handed. See, and again, I'm going to say, like, I'm going to wait until, uh, like, I see the results of that. Well, see, the thing is, it probably works. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it doesn't really take into account that there are human beings around. Yeah, well, th- that's my, like, his command thing is not great, but if his, like, if his diplomacy works with the Cardassians, then, you know, that's, I'm fine with that. It's yeah, just, but... I don't have any proof of that yet. And I... again, Troy was doing the, like, she was playing good cop to his no, no, bad no, cop I, thing. I, agree with I thought those guys was, went good. home. But the way he just got angry and started yelling, that just, I don't know, it felt like a little kid's idea of what diplomacy should be. There's nothing diplomatic about that. And I love after they leave and he's like, okay, tell them I'm a loose cannon and you're all afraid of me. <laughs> he's we, gone we, rogue. Did he we kind of are afraid of you. Loose cannon? Really? <laughs> I think he did, actually. Yeah, no, no, he, he did. did. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, they're walking and I saying, did he just say loose cannon? We don't, What's a he cannon? Knows, he knows we don't have cannons anymore, right? <laughs> He's a, he's a loose uh, photon torpedo too. <laughs> a loose phaser rifle. Yeah, but those don't get loose. Well, we've evolved beyond the need for loose <laughs> for tightness. The, the overall thing. <laughs> I'm leaving that one alone. <laughs> Speaking of evolving beyond the need for things and Gene's future and all that, that's really what struck me the most. Is Jellico is so. Like, first of all, Gene wouldn't have allowed this episode to happen with whatever. That probably mm. wouldn't have been a good call. But Gene did set all this up as far as what the ship was about, as far as peaceful diplomacy and whatever. And there's a reason everyone wants it a certain way. It's because that's the ship they signed up for. There's civilians there. There's, you know. Yeah. There, there's stuff to explore. There's a fish. <laughs> not anymore, there's not. No, apparently there's not. But if you, the thing is... It's, this... a, it's such an abrupt jump. It is... A military-type organization, and that might not be its main thing, but if you're also going to use... It's weird that they use the same thing for military and exploration, but their flagship does exploration and military thing. But it's mainly an exploration ship. See, I always thought the military stuff should only apply to weird shit you run into out on the frontier. You should be able to defend yourselves against hostile new aliens, not rendezvous back with the fleet and fight in a battle. But they do that is the thing, they and they it. become it they become the flagship. So it's really but then that... you should dump off the civilians at a starbase and then do it, you know. And they talk about what a big deal it is that they're going to have to shut down, you know, astronavigation and stellar cartography no, and all this. And Keiko's office. You don't care what a big deal it is. Everyone else is, and he's like, I don't. We don't need that. Well, there's people here with those jobs. But if we are going into sort of a war situation, we don't need that. But there but, is no war is the thing. You keep saying that. There was no actual war. Well, there was a real threat that the the Cardassian thing There's was going to turn into one. a flare-up, but not a proper war. But th- that's what I'm saying. It's weird that they'd send this ship that's mostly set up for doing exploration right. things to be the main, like, well, big scary guns. I think they're all set up for that is the thing. They make a big deal in DS9 about the Defiant being the first dedicated warship. Because was it really? Remember. Yeah. I love the Defiant. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a sexy little bitch. And <laughs> as Matt said, this is the first episode that really made us wholeheartedly say, okay, why aren't we watching DS9? Seriously. Yeah, there's so much DS9 in this episode. There is. And it's, like, and it's not just the Cardassians. No. The although that's was, a big part of it. The show was just starting up, like, across the lot, like, right now, so it mm-hmm. makes sense. And I believe it was written by Ron Moore, if I'm not mistaken. So I forgot to check. On... Yeah. He, yeah. Um... So, but it, it definitely does. Like, the whole subverting Gene's vision thing, the whole, yes, some of these people are flawed, like, all that that DS9 would do was here. And um, mm-hmm. I think Matt was saying that um, the they go into, in the cantina scene, they go to talk to a, um, oh, yeah, a Ferengi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's going to take them to the caves they need to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, you were you were saying that was uh... yeah. I checked on uh, Memory Alpha. That was supposed to that was originally supposed to be uh, Quark, hmm. but that... the uh, they were, that was going to be their first uh, like early DS9 crossover because DS9 apparently was going to launch pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And um, Matt, it's apparently... a space station that doesn't launch. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, but uh, you know schedules got fucked up or something. I guess James Doohan came back that week or something <laughs> or other, and um. They couldn't line it up, so they had to make him miscellaneous Ferengi number four. But uh, no, it was supposed to be Quark. See, I, you say that, I blame the new transporter guy. I blame Kelso. <laughs> oh, totally. I'm just blaming him. Fucking for Kelso. Oh, can we also blame him for Beverly, like, sort of seducing the Ferengi? Giving the Ferengi uh, the to get what they want. Uh, <laughs> that was so fucking gross. I, 
I didn't think it was gross. I thought it was a little unfortunate that that was her only job was to seduce somebody. And she That's didn't do anything in the line. caves or anything On either. On the other like... hand, seductress is at least a step up from mom. It's still too many steps down, mm-hmm. but, it's, but it is a step up from mom. <sighs> I... All she did in the cave was get hit by some rocks. That's yeah. true. But in fairness, that's all Warp did in the cave, too. Uh, no, he true. blew up that door. Oh, that's true. With the cool lasers. That's and he true. fought off that scary bat. <laughs> <laughs> he overcame his fear. <laughs> that was, they had another example of that using technology sort of that we can sort of see where it came from thing. Yeah. They're these like little um, grapples that they oh, yeah. grappled down on. And they just had like a little phaser thing on the end, so it just shot into the rocks. It was cool. Yeah. No, that's like neat. That. And I, on the other hand, Matt and I were both thinking, where are those rocket boots that Spock had like a hundred years ago? <laughs> yeah, that would have saved a lot of time. Yeah. Probably would have gotten them up better, uh, too, or they, when or they the leave. the gravity boots that they used in Six, where they're walking, like, while the gravity was out. Yeah. You could just walk sideways down the, uh... That's gotta be bad for your ankles, right? I, I, I don't know. Bever probably would have been less scared, too. And she would have been able to fix their ankles with her little magic heal your bones thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's how Bones stayed alive for so long. He used the uh, heal your bones thing all the time. <laughs> well, that's why he bought it. It had just name on it. Right. <laughs> ah, heal your bones. This he, must he be for it, me. He bought it when he was out stocking up on exocomics. <laughs> oh, I haven't gotten to do the Bones voice in forever. I know. Like you said, I miss Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> all right, final final thing. I hit the cork thing. Say. Was there anything else? I can't decide if the name Chain of Command is brilliant or really, really hacky. Because on the one hand, you have a new guy in command, and you have Picard in chains. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of like it. On the other hand, that's to me, that's a bit clumsy. Well, it's better than, you know, Eye of the, Beholder. Eye of the Incident. Right. No, oh, it's no, the listen. incident at the Eye of the listen, Beholder. I like the incident one. I like the old, uh, the, the old school uh, original series ones way better. The Omega... Something yeah, the or other project, the uh, yeah, the Enterprise incident. Even the encounter at Farpoint was kind of in that. Yeah, uh, that yeah. actually was. But uh, no, they you know cost of living. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it last week that was like I leave behind? No, it wasn't oh, last week. Uh, Heart of Glory. Heart of Glory was Heart of Glory. Two. No, that was the one that season wasn't a one. Klingon episode, right? Hand of Glory. No, that was a matter of honor. It's always something of something. Yeah, it's e- it's either something of something or the thing. Right, the thing. Yeah, the orange no, rock guy. It's weird. In season three, they saw, they thought they were Seinfeld because every episode was the something. Yeah. It was weird. And I'm glad we never got into Friends territory where it was like the one with the, the Cardassians. One where, yeah. <laughs> the one where the Enterprise turns into a sentient train. Uh, Which is the... now our gold press latinum uh, standard for uh, <laughs> terrible Star Trek episodes. <laughs> That's the one we're heading for now that we've gotten the table out of the way. Oh, no, there's still masks. Oh, God, I maintain yeah. that masks... This is... This is more a consensus, I think, than one of us having an axe to grind. Most people I've talked to think Masks is the worst episode this show did, outside mm. of season one. Yeah, because Space Africa and Na- It's Naked Time were both pretty bad. Yeah, but you yeah. can season one on a curve. You can say, well, they didn't know what they were doing yet, but by... Uh, well, by season seven, it's like, you guys should know what you're doing. Every episode should be gold, because you know how these characters work. You yeah. Know, you know. Or they should at least be middle of the pack. Like, yeah. if you've got a couple of phone-in episodes, that's not great, but, you know, you yeah, got a lot of episodes to do. Like, seven years is the right amount. That's just the right... I don't know, I think this show kind of established that, actually. Like, this show went out at 7, and a lot of shows started going out at 7. Like, all the other Star Trek shows, uh, Buffy did, uh, a couple other big syndicated shows did. Like, this show yeah. seemed to define 7 as sort of the magic number. And I don't think they for the longest time, For the longest time, I thought that was TV standard, was, you know, if you were a good show, you did 7 years. Yeah, well, that And that, real, that idea really came from here. Yeah, it did. That was the first time, because they, they had 6 years, and then they renegotiated for a 7th, and that was it. It was that, and I remember when I went to go see, uh, when I went to this comic, or, uh, Trek convention when I was a kid, Voyager was just about to come out, like, in a couple of months, and they were talking about how it basically had a guaranteed seven years. Right. Because it was Star Trek. Well, that, and it was on the newly launching UPN. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which, you know, they assumed would do really well and not just combine with the other shitty network a few <laughs> years later. Ugh. Yeah, well. Voyager got it seven years, though. So they did that. get it seven years. There's a feather in its hat. Yeah, you guys get to watch uh, seven years of Voyager. You know what we get to watch before that? Uh, more of this. Season seven of uh, Next Gen. Yeah, yeah, that's into true. The train and puts on a mask. <laughs> Smoking. Forward to that. 
Uh, any, well, anything? steaming, really. Anything? No, I think we're done here. Okay, that was good. I like that. Amanda, anything? Nope, that's pretty much it for me. Do you have anything to plug? No, you gave up on that. Never mind. <laughs> I do have something to plug. I do a photo blog now. Oh, Shut so up. Oh, you do. <laughs> Why don't you tell the people where it is? It's on Tumblr. It's called uglypinkcamera.tumblr.com. It's actually almost over. It's uh, We're just hitting a year now. We? We. Who's By we? the royal we. Ah. We, the people who entered your challenge that everyone dropped out but you? Yep. You win. You win, I win the hot balloon challenge. I do. I won a hot balloon. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go buy and, and because I set up the challenge, I have to go buy it for myself. Yep. Oh, when you're down at the store picking up some exocomps. Yes. And a, and a uh, bones healing device. <laughs> Be sure to pick up some hot balloons. Uh, so the usual, postatomichorror at gmail, postatomichorror.com. Buy our app. Buy our book. Buy it all. Please do, or you know, don't actually, ask, you, just buy it. You don't, you don't even have to buy the app right now. It's free. I forgot. Don't that. ask, just download it. Hey, Matt, hi. Be nice to the people. <laughs> You're not Jellico. We're trying to do the. Uh... Sorry, guys. Matt's a loose cannon. <laughs> I am a loose cannon. Now tell them I'm a loose cannon. <laughs> Tell them that you're afraid of me. We are afraid of you, sir. <laughs> Here's the thing I don't often do. We mm. we do another show called Sarcastic Voyage. Many of you already listened to that. Maybe we not do all do that people. show. That show has been in a bit of a hiatus as we figure out what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We have figured it out. We're doing sort of prepared comedy sketch stuff, that sort of thing. The show will be back very, very soon. In fact, Coming back you... stronger than ever. Yes. By the time you hear this, we will be days away from our first exciting new thing. A little bit of... A little bit of uh, a taste of what the show's going to be. So I would ask that you check that out because it's a lot of fun. It's, yep. it's funny, funny stuff. And it is sarcasticvoyage.com and it's on iTunes. Really just type my name into iTunes and you'll see the 17 podcasts that I make and that's one of them. And the one and the one podcast by that Spanish Juan Algar. Oh, motherfucker. No, it's Alberto Algar. It's A. Algar. Ooh. God, I hate him. All right, Matt. Say your uh. catchphrase. Get it done. See ya, folks. This episode brought to you by Exocomp. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.